you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the same West Virginia school district that forced my daughter to sit through her health teacher trashing atheists and the LGBT community, now forcing students to attend an evangelical revival. Televangelist Hank Kuhneman and his wife still leaning into the same election lies from almost a year and a half ago. What happened to separation of church and state? The Republican Civil War taking place right now. Mike Pence has upset a lot of high-profile Trumpist televangelists. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen. This is Thomas from Virginia. Longtime fan of the show, and I've called in a few times before. I saw your video that you recently posted on Greg Locke having a book burning. And I was just wondering, how do Jehovah's Witnesses feel about book burning because they have such an extreme opinion of apostates? I was just wondering, how does the organization treat apostate literature? Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Yeah, appreciate the voicemail. Really interesting question. As a matter of fact, I pulled up uh, an article on a website called jwfacts.com. This website is so incredibly robust. It has so much information here. It's ridiculous. And it's been up and running for like decades and decades. Guy that runs it, I think his name's like Paul Grundy or something. I don't even remember now. I've never talked to him before, but the work he does on this website is absolutely nuts. So I wanted to look through some of this because... There's actually some literature in Watchtower's past that they want people to burn. They are big fans of burning books and literature. That's like their go-to solution for everything. Here's the problem. The organization changes so often. It changes their minds on everything. They call it new light. They're always getting new light from God. And they change their mind so much, it's pretty obvious to anybody who's watching that they're completely full of shit. So what they've done is they've told people to burn any literature before a certain date. Like, burn any old literature. Burn anything that came out before, like, 1980 or something. I don't know what the date is exactly that they chose. The the cutoff. But they tell people to burn anything that they have that's older than a certain date. And by doing so, they don't have to specifically tell people... Burn the 1947 Watchtowers from October or whatever that you have. Any 1947 Watchtowers that you have, just burn them. They don't have to say that. They just say, burn old literature, anything before 1980, pretty much. We will make it available to you if we feel that you need it. That's pretty much the approach that they've taken. I guess they probably don't want to specifically list the literature which they would consider to be apostate material. Because they absolutely do consider a lot of their old watchtowers and books to be apostate material now. Because some of the shit in that makes it so blatantly obvious that they're full of shit. There is no way to avoid it once you actually read this stuff that they've put out. That they are completely full of it. Let me give you a good example. On this page, this is jwfacts.com. Here's an article that they wrote 
one of their magazines, 1947, The Awake is from January 8th, page 27, 1947. The subheading on this article is, Are You Also Excommunicated? If you are one of the 138 million people in the world that were born and raised as Protestants, then you are already excommunicated by the Roman Catholic hierarchy. This means that you're looked upon with the blackest contempt by the Vatican being cursed and damned with the devil and his angels, says the Catholic Encyclopedia, quote, with the foregoing exceptions, infidels, pagans, Mohammedans, and Jews, all who have been baptized are liable to excommunication, even those Protestants who have never belonged to the true church, since by their baptism they are really her subjects, though of course rebellious ones. Where then did this practice originate? The Encyclopedia Britannica says, the papal excommunication is not without pagan influence, and its variations cannot be adequately explained unless account be taken of several non-Christian analogs of excommunication. The superstitious Greeks believed that when an excommunicated person died, the devil entered the body, and therefore, in order to prevent it, the relatives of the deceased cut his body in pieces and boiled them in wine. Wow. Even the Druids had a method of expelling those who lost faith in their religious superstitions. So, basically, Jehovah's Witnesses in this 1947 Awake are condemning excommunication, and they know how absolutely ridiculous that makes them look. They know. And for that reason, they banned it. If you're caught with this specific watchtower, or this specific awake in your house, or a copy of it, or a printout of it, or whatever, elders are going to have some tough questions for you. It is apostate material, and it is supposed to be burned. I'm sure they have a list of all of the old literature that they've written that is now considered apostate material, but they really don't publicize that list. I, I haven't found any specific list. It has to exist, right? It must. Because how would the elders know which articles are apostate material if they didn't have a list of some sort? But this is definitely on the list, and they definitely want you to burn it. And if you don't, you risk being disfellowshipped for owning it. So yes, to answer your question more directly, Jehovah's Witnesses absolutely do encourage people to burn literature. Hi, this is Cassie from Missouri. Um, I did not suffer, go through a cult myself, but I did suffer from abuse and noticed a lot of similarities between abuse and cults, and I wanted your thoughts on that. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. Uh, there are a lot of similarities. In fact, uh, somebody named Chris Shelton has a YouTube channel. He talks about cults also, and he pointed out at their most fundamental level, cults are essentially abusive relationships between the members and the leaders. That's basically what they are. And that's why you can find a lot of the same behaviors in cults that you find in abusive relationships, just one person with another person. That's why you find a lot of the same problems in families and things like that, because these issues are control methods. And ultimately, fundamentally, abusers want to control their victims. So yes, that, that is an apt observation. Um, essentially, they're the same thing on a grander scale. Uh, hello, Owen. Um, I just have a question. Uh, genetically Modified Skeptic talked about this some, but um, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on alternative medicine? Uh, like, do you think it's a good or bad thing? You might have spoken about it before, I don't know. 
Uh, but yeah, could you just let me know? I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Actually, years and years ago, I did a video with Genetically Modified Skeptic. I mean, I'm talking like four years ago, I think. We did a video together about Young Living, or I did a video on Young Living, and he was in it, or I don't remember how it worked out. But yeah, we've talked about alternative medicine. We've talked about essential oils and all of that stuff before. It's definitely destructive. Alternative medicine is just a way of pushing people in another direction when, in reality, mainstream medicine is proven to be effective. Mainstream medicine goes through a rigorous testing process. We use double-blind trials and all kinds of different types of clinical trials to determine if something is effective or not. Alternative medicine has never been proven to be effective, and that's why it's alternative, because nobody has ever successfully proven its real value. Alternative medicine is nothing but destructive because it leads people down a path that has no hope at the end, though they think it does. So in my opinion, alternative medicine is absolutely terrible. It should be heavily regulated. Here's a listener question from somebody named Mojo. My name is Mojaheed, I believe is how it's pronounced. That's probably completely wrong. I apologize. You can call me Mojo. Yes, like the monkey from Powerpuff Girls. I like that show. Anyways, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about Muslim content, because I'm a Muslim and your page mainly has Christian content, on it. As a Muslim deciding whether or not to leave, I'd like someone who talks about my religion. I'm a Muslim mixed South African and my grandmother has really been stuffing reading my Quran down my throat to the point where she banned me from entering her room even though she lives with me and my parents for the time being. Even though I know I'm not one of her most respectful grandchild toward her, my parents don't push me too much, but I don't know what to tell them, even though I feel I don't want the religion, I also don't want to lose my family. And again, I know you don't do Muslim content, but I'd really like you to speak on it, even if it's just a mention. I'd also like to know how I can contact you better with questions, sir, about the long message. This is really the best way. You can send me an email and it works just fine, obviously, because I got to this. Yeah, um, in my opinion, I think Islam is a destructive religion, just as destructive as Christianity in its own ways. It's just, I don't cover Islam very often, almost ever, because for one thing, I know almost nothing about it. And for another thing, it's really not affecting my life in any way here in the U.S. It's kind of outside of my political sphere, kind of outside of my sphere entirely. It just doesn't affect me. I feel like right now, Christianity is doing everything that it can to overtake the U.S., the, the political system in the U.S., and that has been my main focus for that reason. But I do appreciate you emailing me, and I hope that you can find your way out of that situation at some point, because like I said, I do think Islam is just as destructive as Christianity. Not in the U.S. right now, because... You know, Christianity is the majority religion and has all of the political sway here right now. But Islam is very destructive to people's lives. And I hope you can find your way to independence so that you don't have to deal with that kind of thing anymore. And good luck. Thank you for emailing me. I appreciate that. Next, we're going to talk about the same West Virginia school district that forced my daughter to sit through her health teacher trashing atheists in the LGBT community, now forcing their students to attend an evangelical revival. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
First story I wanted to talk about is from this article on The Guardian. The title is West Virginia Students to Stage Walkout Over Christian Revival at High School. Most of you guys watching probably remember the situation that I was in about a year ago. There was, uh, I, I used to live in West Virginia. As a matter of fact, I lived in the exact school district that's dealing with this problem right now. This is Cabell County Schools, the same school district. Kylie was in a health class, and her teacher starts trashing atheists, trashing the LGBT community. When you get in seventh grade, we go a tad bit further. And then when you get in eighth grade, you start studying how dangerous sexual thinking and behavior, what it can do to you, okay? And the one thing is, I'm hoping that you all are brought up by a good family or person, whoever's raising you, that they're teaching you right from wrong and that it's not okay to be sexually active. If you look at the Bible, it says... Sex isn't for love. It is for what? When is the time you should? After marriage. After marriage. I have got so many kids that were so against me in my first and second period, you would have a heart attack. It makes me sick how they believe. And I'm thinking the upbringing that you guys are having from these from your parents. I'm not saying nothing bad about your parents. It's just different nowadays. And I hate it. They say, all you do is, you, 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 everything you're teaching about sexual transmitted disease stuff, you keep referring back to the Bible. And I said, because, I almost said because I'm right, but, you know, you can't force somebody to believe in God. And that's fine. Whether you do or not, that's your opinion. But I, I just can't get my head into their world. People don't really think there's a... I, I'm just... I don't know. I'm just kind of shocked. They'll know one day, won't they? That's what worries me. I don't want anybody to be lost. So I try to squeeze them in a little bit without getting in too much trouble. But there's so many kids that don't believe in God and they don't believe in values. And they don't care. Whatever they do, whatever, however way they want to dress... Whatever way they want to act, if they want to be with a boy or a girl, that's their choice. And that's fine. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying I don't believe in that. And it's just a fight battle. I'm trying to teach you guys, when you learn about the body, you need to understand that when your hormones start being released, you're going to start having a little bit of sexual feelings or thoughts. That's normal. Everybody does that. Okay? There's nothing wrong with it. The thing is, is you've got to choose what are you going to do about those feelings and thoughts. And if you're brought up with morals and values, then God's going to be there to help you make better decisions. As a result of us calling this out and complaining about it and having the FFRF send a letter to the school district, the entire district turned against us. Like, every person in the town that I lived in. There were 3,400 people in the town. 1,900 of them were on a Facebook page dedicated to doxing my address and all kinds of insane stuff. It was scary. It was incredibly scary. I had to straight up leave the district. I had to, like, get out. I left West Virginia entirely and moved to a, a different state to escape what was going on. It was nuts. Well, guess what? The school district is doing it again. As a matter of fact, I'm in communication with the person that is involved in this, that reported this originally, 
And uh, I did an interview with him recently. That'll be coming out on my main channel probably in the next week or so. But let's give this article a read and see exactly what happened. Like I said, it's on The Guardian. Title is West Virginia Students to Stage Walkout Over Christian Revival at High School. It doesn't have a name as to like who wrote the article or whatever. It doesn't seem to. But anyways, let's give it a read and see what it says. Between calculus and European history classes at a West Virginia public high school, 16-year-old Cameron Mays and his classmates were told by their teacher to go to an evangelical Christian revival assembly. When students arrived at the event in the school's auditorium, they were instructed to close their eyes and raise their arms in prayer, Mays said. The teens were asked to give their lives over to Jesus to find purpose and salvation. Those who did not follow the Bible would go to hell when they died, they were told. The Huntington High School junior sent a text to his father. Is this legal, he asked. The answer, according to the U.S. Constitution, is no. In fact, the separation of church and state is one of the country's founding basic tenets, noted Huntington High School senior Max Nybert. So I believe this is a picture of Max Nybert right here. Again, he's the one, he was a senior at Huntington High School, and he's the one that staged the walkout originally. The article is talking about Cameron Mays. So like I said earlier, I've been in communication with Cameron Mays, and I'm going to be doing a long-form video about this situation later. Cameron sent me some video footage that he got while this was going on, so I wanted to give this video a watch and uh, see what was happening. Check this out. If I were to ask how many of you believe in this man, most of you would raise your hands and say yes. And if you believe that everything in this book is true, then you must also believe the parts about judgment, about heaven and hell. And so the, the first option you have is hearing him say, well done. The second thing that might happen to you is he might look at you like, uh, maybe like some of you look at some people. Yeah, maybe like some of you look at some people, something, something. The general idea here is he's trying to threaten them with hell. He's trying to scare them. He's getting, he's trying to whip them into a blood frenzy and make them evangelists for Jesus, basically. This is happening at a school during school hours, and it was mandatory for some students. It was mandated that you show up. And what, what makes it even worse? This is not the first school this guy came to. He went to other schools in the area, middle schools even. He went to other schools in the area leading up to this. This is just the time that he got caught is what this is. If you're curious, the name of the organization that did this is Nick Walker Ministries. That's the name of like the church. And he uploads to YouTube and you can bet I'm going to be talking about some of his videos, his YouTube videos. It's going to be an interesting one. I dare say some of you have been in church for 20 years and have never tasted Jesus before. And I notice as the invitation goes out, there are people that respond immediately. There are people who hesitate but respond. Then there's people who almost respond. Almost does not count in the kingdom of God. There's a whole section of hell where Agrippa stands over them and they collectively scream almost. The Bible all through the Gospels talks about how there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and screaming and torment and pain. One of the most painful screams you will hear in hell is almost. Wow. Ouch. And some of you will be screaming it. If you don't respond to the invitation today. And you're so consumed with being liked and being popular and having money and being comfortable. 
You're so consumed with it. And, and you, oh, Jesus, I'll preach this. And, and parents are so consumed with telling kids, go to college, make a lot of money, and be rich, and get out of this state. You're, I don't hear anything about prayer in that. Let's keep reading. Just to see that defamed and ignored in such a blatant way, it's disheartening, he said. Nybert and other Huntington students are planning to stage a walkout during homeroom period Wednesday to protest the assembly. I don't think any kind of religious official should be hosted in a taxpayer-funded building with the express purpose of trying to convince minors to become baptized after school hours, Nybert said. 100% agree. Absolutely agree on that point. And what's worse? I mean, I don't know how it could get much worse than this, but there was a Jewish student there. There was a Jewish student being told if he doesn't get baptized as a Christian, he's going to burn in hell. The mini-revival took place last week during Compass a daily non-instructional break in the schedule during which the students can study for tests, work on college prep, or listen to guest speakers, said Cabell County Schools spokesperson Jed Flowers. Interestingly enough, Jed Flowers is the guy that handled my case, too, when I was complaining about Kylie's health teacher effectively using hate speech against atheists and LGBT people. That's basically what was happening. And Jed Flowers had a similar response. He dismissed it, ignored it, didn't give a shit. Flowers said the event was voluntary, organized by the school's chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a.k.a. the FCA. That's what it's called. FCA. It's like a, uh, it's like a club at the school. It's a Christian club that apparently like all the football players get into and stuff like that. And the FCA, the club, the school club, invited these people to the school to talk. I guess the school set it up so that it was during Compass, which is a period of time when you are mandated to be there. Attendance is mandatory at Compass. You have to be there. You don't get a grade, but you have to appear for Compass. So the teachers that are kind of overseeing the students at this Compass period, basically, told these kids it is mandatory that you go to this meeting. Now, I talked to Cameron Mays, and he feels that his teacher that sent him to the Compass meeting, like the evangelical prayer rally, he seems to be under the impression that it really wasn't the teacher's fault. She didn't know that it was going to be an evangelical prayer meeting or whatever. It just so happened to be. And now she's kind of acting as a scapegoat for what the school did wrong for the school not putting a stop to this early on. He seems to feel pretty bad for her. And for that reason, I, I think I tend to lean on sympathetic toward the teacher who sent them to this because she didn't know either, um, and that's Cameron May's impression of it. So take that for what you will. Honestly, I think I blame the school for allowing this to take place in the first place. Cabell County Schools has a terrible reputation, a terrible history at this point of screwing up and inviting religious speech onto school grounds over and over again. Now, this is like a recurring problem that we're dealing with at this point. Anyway, let's keep reading the article. The mini-revival took place last week during Compass, a daily non-instructional break in the schedule during which students can study for tests, work on college prep, or listen to guest speakers, said Cabell County Schools spokesperson Jed Flowers. That is not a fair representation of the situation. I explained that Compass is a period of time for, like, studying or instructional work or whatever else, and it is mandatory that you show up to your compass 
class. You just have time to work on other things while you're there or see guest speakers. Attendance is mandatory. It's not like a lunch period where you get to go to the cafeteria or you get to go to the courtyard or whatever else you want and you don't even have to show up. It's not like that. This is basically scheduled out time for this event from my understanding. Flower said the event was voluntary, organized by the school's chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He said there was supposed to be a sign-up sheet for the students, but two teachers mistakenly brought their entire class. Notice what he's doing here. He's scapegoating the teachers. He's trying to get the school out of trouble by blaming two teachers. You know, the President of the United States used to have a little sign on his desk, a placard that said, the buck stops here. It used to be people would take responsibility for things that happened under them. If you are the leader or the administrator or the boss of this organization or this structure or whatever, everything falls on your shoulders. You're responsible for ensuring things play out in a legal safe manner and nobody's rights are being violated or whatever else. The buck stops here. That's what that saying means. Why is it that people at the very top, like school administrators, superintendents, principals, all have a vested interest in blaming the little guy instead of taking the blame and putting it squarely where it belongs on their shoulders? Let's keep reading. It's unfortunate that happened, Flowers said. We don't believe it will ever happen again. Really? Interesting. Because this isn't the first time religious shit slipped its way into your curriculum or into your schools or out of your teachers' mouths. This is not the first time. I was a victim of the last one. I remember it very well exactly how this went. I don't believe this will ever happen again. But in the community of fewer than 50,000 people in southwestern West Virginia, the controversies ignited a broader conversation about whether religious services, voluntary or not, should be allowed during school hours at all. A group of parents, the American Civil Liberties Union of West Virginia, and other organizations say the answer to this question is also no. They say such events are a clear violation of student civil rights. It is inappropriate and unconstitutional for the district to offer religious leaders unique access to preach and proselytize students during school hours on school property. Freedom from Religion Foundation, a nonprofit that promotes the separation of church and state, wrote in a letter to the school district. The district cannot allow its schools to be used as recruiting grounds for churches, the letter reads. You know the saddest part about this whole thing? March 2021? 11 months ago, 11 months ago, Freedom From Religion Foundation wrote a letter to the same school district on my behalf. The same school district. They didn't even have to look up the email addresses. They had them because we were dealing with this issue in March of 2021. March through May, basically. It is absolutely grotesque. Absolutely grotesque that Cabell County Schools continues to get away with this. How many times? How many times, Cabell County Schools? How many times has this happened? You know, Kylie went through all of this like 11 months ago, and when it was happening, her mom told me that she had that teacher in her class when she was little. 16 years previously, she had this teacher, and she was saying the same stuff back then. 16 years minimum, 11 months later, and the school district is still doing this. This is not an isolated incident. 
This is not an isolated problem. This is not the fault of a single teacher or one or two teachers. This is a systemic issue that needs to be dealt with. The preacher had gone around to other schools leading up to their appearance at this one. It's just, I guess, the people at the other schools didn't want to speak out, didn't feel comfortable speaking out. I don't know. Were they afraid to speak out because they saw what happened to me? I don't know. I don't know. Why didn't they speak out then? This is a recurring problem that is that it that needs to be addressed. This needs to be addressed. Next, we're going to talk about televangelist Hank Kuhneman and his wife still leaning into the same election lies from almost a year and a half ago. What happened to separation of church and state? Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Hank Kuhneman. I've talked about him a few times before, but some new clips surfaced, so I wanted to take a look at them. Before we take a look at the latest clips, I wanted to kind of reintroduce you to him. I wanted to show you some of his older clips leading up to the newer ones because it'll give you some context for what he's talking about in the latest ones. So let's take a look at this clip. It's from late August 2021. In this clip, he has a prophecy for us. It's a prophecy he likes to call flop flip. But watch, for you have heard the saying flip flop. But I speak to you this day, flop flip. You say, what do you mean? I speak flop flip because the agenda of hell and those who have agreed and thought that they could steal this land through your election and steal the future from your children, it shall flop. Listen to the crowd cheering at this like it's the most profound thing they've ever heard in their lives. Okay, so he, he explained the flop part. And then, watch what shall arise. Whistleblowers after whistleblowers. They shall not only see that their agenda has flopped, they will begin to flip. And there's the flip part. These are words from God, by the way. He's giving you information that God gave him to disseminate to the rest of the world. God speaks in American idioms, apparently. Flip-flop is like an American idiom. That means like going back and forth, back and forth. I didn't realize God spoke in American idioms. This is actually news to me. I'm glad I know now because everything that they said was nonsense before. Now I know God speaks in American idioms but uses Middle English accents when he delivers these messages. Now it all makes so much more sense. So that's the prophecy that this guy wanted to drive home for his audience. Remember, this is late August 2021 when this came out. He's going to reference this again in a minute in the next clip. Let's finish watching this one. Keep listening. And God says there will be a turning of my hand and a turning of their of their mouths why the pause there i mean i i just gotta ask why was there a big long pause just now kind of weird is he trying to tune his brain to the right frequency to pick up god's messages what's happening of their of their mouths 
Why? I just don't know. I don't know. Why Why the big long pause? I, don't, I guess I make big long pauses sometimes, right? I can't complain too much. And they will speak loudly and they will turn on one another and they will expose one another to save what they would think their own future. He thinks this is profound too. Look at his expressions. He, he, he thinks he's like regal almost, it seems to me when he is communicating these messages to people. Very strange. Watch for the great flip. And the Lord says, when you see this, it will flip in this nation too. Okay, so basically what he's saying, obviously he's talking about Donald Trump. What he's saying is that Donald Trump will become the president again. It's ordained by God. He's anointed by God to be the president. And it's only a matter of time before God makes it happen. That's what we're listening to him say right now. This is called the flop flip prophecy. Check out this next clip. This is early January 2022, five months after the last clip that we watched, five months after, okay? And when this clip came out that we're about to watch, it was a full, um, yeah, so it was about, it was a full 14 months after the election took place, after Trump lost the election. So we're 14 months out from the election ending in favor of Biden, and we're five months out from him making this original prophecy from God. Check it out. Jesus approved of God in signs, wonders, and miracles. We need to get our eyes on the Lord, and he is not done with this nation. And I'm telling you, he is pushing back. He is bringing justice, and we are going to see the manifestations of these things with some great changes that are coming. It's not all, it's not all gonna be right away, but we're gonna see it unravel, and flop flip is gonna continue in the land of America. He just cannot give up on this prophecy, can he? The flop flip prophecy. This is so embarrassing, it is honestly hard to watch and by the way this guy's not a nobody and this this platform that he's on right here flashpoint is not a tiny platform it's a tv show on kenneth copeland's network i believe flashpoint is part of kenneth copeland's tv network this is getting in front of millions of people that is why we need to cover it and even if it wasn't in front of millions of people this is common sentiment people believe this stuff even if he was a nobody on TV saying this stuff, even if he was saying it to himself and nobody else. This is the kind of thing that people believe in the U.S. right now. It needs to be addressed. It needs to be. So that's Hank Kuhneman. I wanted to give you an idea of who he is, and I want to talk about who his wife is, too, Brenda Kuhneman, because she's important, too, in this context of the clips that we're going to be watching tonight. So check this one out. This is mid-September 2021. This is his wife, Brenda. She has some thoughts about the Johnson Amendment. Now, if you're unfamiliar, the Johnson Amendment is an amendment in U.S. tax code that basically says if you're a nonprofit organization, 501c3, which churches qualify as, they are under that umbrella, you're not allowed to explicitly endorse or explicitly oppose any politician. So you can give people your opinions on political ideas. You can be a political entity for the most part. Look at Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is a pretty political organization. They have a political bent. And the oppositional nonprofits to Planned Parenthood also have a political bent. Having political ideals in your nonprofit is okay. 
That's not forbidden. You won't lose tax-exempt status for that. But opposing or endorsing specific political candidates is against the rules and is supposed to make you lose tax-exempt status. That's basically what the Johnson Amendment says. Well, Brenda Kuhneman has some things to say about that. Give this a listen. Mid-September 2021. It's not just a political thing. I hear people say, oh, you guys are just whole, propping up a person and Trump. Yeah, shoot. I mean, I didn't even think of it that way. But yeah, totally. You're right. You are. You're definitely propping up a person in Trump. I couldn't have said it better myself. They have effectively made Donald Trump their new messiah. He is part of their religion now. It, it is bizarre and disturbing. Trump and all of that. And I'm like, no, we're propping up what what he has st stood for. We're, we're get, just simply getting behind what a man chose to stand for. Now, I just want to point out the fact that they're endorsing Donald Trump the way that they have, like Hank Kuhneman's specific ministry, not just Hank Kuhneman's, but Kenneth Copeland's, Robin Bullock. I mean, who else do I cover? Greg Locke. All of them have endorsed Donald Trump at one time or another. How are they getting away with that? How are they getting away with it? That is expressly forbidden by the Johnson Amendment in U.S. tax code. They would lose tax-exempt status for endorsing a politician. Why isn't the IRS yanking tax-exempt status for them? It blows my mind. Not only that, but Jack Hibbs, another televangelist, I don't cover him terribly often, but he actually held a full-blown campaign event for Larry Elder, collected donations for Larry Elder, he's running for governor of California recently. Until God comes back, he's given us the opportunity to choose. To choose leaders. And California has been groaning, and I just want to submit this to you. Don't you think maybe it's time where a particular party has had absolute unchecked rule and have crushed this state on every angle? Why don't you join with us in an experiment to try something different, to try getting back to things that made California great in the first place, and to make some history while you're at it. You know, today everybody's talking about Antifa and critical race theory and BLM. I've seen churches now instead of putting the gospel on the marquee of the church, that church now says Black Lives Matter. But they got the acronym wrong, BLM. It really means because Larry matters. La ladies and gentlemen, welcome Larry Elder this morning. He never got his tax exempt status yanked. What's going on IRS, what happened? Why aren't you prosecuting these people? Why aren't you yanking their tax-exempt status? It makes no sense. Let's keep listening. Chose to stand for. We have a, a president, a real president. I.e., she seems to think that the election was stolen. That's basically what she's saying when she says a real president. Who has stood more for the body of Christ and his church to be liberated in my lifetime, he's the only president that even dared challenge. Okay, let, let me just address this. She seems to be pretending that Donald Trump is some evangelical savior, some spiritual, like, godlike 
person that like did all this stuff for the evangelical movement. What? Look, I don't know. I'm not friends with Trump, but I speculate the dude hasn't been to church one day in his life. I speculate the only time he's ever set foot in a church was for weddings or funerals, and that is it. I don't know that for a fact, but something tells me that's the case. The lying Johnson Amendment that intimidated pastors behind their pulpit, and I'm just here to prophesy in this room and to everybody that's watching, those days are over. We're not going to be intimidated. I don't care what they said about what amendment. We're not going to be intimidated. We are going to do what God has called us to do. That is so incredibly sad. That is so incredibly sad. Basically, she's saying she's not afraid of endorsing specific political candidates. She doesn't care about the Johnson Amendment because guess what? She's caught on to the fact that the IRS isn't prosecuting. They aren't, there are no consequences for religious organizations endorsing politicians. This is, by the way, exactly what the Founding Fathers didn't want. They explicitly said they don't want church and state to mix. Because guess what? They saw this happen before. It's part of the reason why they wanted a new government. It's part of the reason why so many immigrants came over to the Americas in the early days. Religious freedom. Because the government was intermingling with the church too much. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. That's your introduction to Brenda Kuhneman. And that brings us to the one of the latest clips that I have. I have a couple of them that are brand new. This one's from late January 2022. Once again, Brenda Kuhneman is giving us her ideas on politics in a religious setting. I can't find anything, and believe me, I've looked, anything on the left that is good to support. Higher minimum wage, unions, unions are great. I mean, I, universal health care, I could sit here and list all kinds of stuff I stand for, but I just so happen to know she doesn't stand for any of that stuff, so it's pointless to even list. Notice what she's doing here, though. I find it interesting. Let me, let me just step back. Listen to this part one more time. I can't find anything, and believe me, I've looked, anything on the left that is good to support. I have to say, um, this is the epitome of black and white thinking. This is a problem. This is one of the biggest problems in society today. The fact that we have such polarized black and white thinking. You really can't think of a single thing, a single issue that you can appreciate that the Democratic Party stands for? Not a single issue that the left has pushed or recommended or talked about. I mean, this should be possible, right? Finding an issue that the left has historically stood for that you could get with. When dealing with political parties, the Republican Party of 2022 is a different organization entirely from what it was in 1960 or 1950 even, just a totally separate institution. For one thing, in 1960, the Republican Party actually stood for policy issues. They actually had ideas that they wanted to enact. In 2022, the Republican Party doesn't have any policy issues. They don't stand for anything. All they really stand for is destroying their enemies. That's about it. All they stand for is owning the libs. And that is the epitome of cult-like thinking. That's a problem. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, is there something, is there some policy position 
that the Republicans suggest that I could get on board with. I guess it would depend on which Republican Party you're talking about. The Republican Party from the 1960s to the 2000s, early 2000s, late 1990s, sure, there are a couple of good ideas they had. The vast majority of them were absolutely terrible. But, you know, they had a, a couple of good ideas, one or two. I could pick a couple out. What are their policy positions today? Owning the libs. Hurting their enemy. That is it. There isn't a policy position that they stand for, really. Let's keep watching the clip. Okay, it's filled with lies and homosexuality and abominations and, you know, in fact, the party, I'll just say it, the Democrat Party put straight up on their platform, on their platform, that we are the party of the non-religious. We don't want God. We're atheists. That's what they've said. You could go read it yourself. They said we want nothing to do with religion. We're the party of the non-religious. I'm not going to give 50% to somebody that wants to support something like that. Come on, somebody. No, the Democratic Party says nothing about that. It is complete and total nonsense from beginning to end. I would love it if that were the case. Being an atheist, I would love it if there was a party that actually stood for the values that I stand for. There just isn't. I'm kind of disturbed when I hear her say something like this. Atheist, that's what they've said. You could go read it yourself. I'm, I'm a little disturbed by that, honestly. A little disturbed by the fact that you said you can go read it yourself. That is what they said. Uh, no. No, it's not what they said. That's just a flat-out blatant lie. You know, sometimes I hear people talking and I think to myself, are these people true believers or are they scam artists? Are they brainwashed themselves or are they the ones intentionally doing the brainwashing? Are they using propaganda techniques to get people whipped up into a blood frenzy so that they can take advantage of them? So they can fleece suckers, if you will. When I hear things like this, blatant, outright lies, I have to wonder if this is a scam. I mean, it, it, it runs through my head at least for a second. I'm not in Brenda Kuhneman's mind. I don't know what she's thinking. But when I hear things like this, I am forced to face it. Is she just propagandizing? Is she just lying? I don't see any other way that this could be explained other than she's intentionally lying to get people upset so that they donate to her. That's all I can figure. There's another clip came out from Hank Kuhneman. This is the husband of Brenda that we just watched. He had some things to say on politics late January 2022. Check it out. This is a new clip also. That guy is illegitimate, which all signs point to. Then why would we even call him president? No signs point to that, first of all. We have litigated this backwards and forwards. There is no evidence of voter fraud of any sort. It is simply a lie that Hank Kuhneman and Brenda Kuhneman both are spreading on national TV. It is untrue, and they continue to press it. Why should we even pray for somebody? Now, you pray for his soul, but why should we pray for him in the context of being president? What do you mean, pray for him in the context of being president? What do you mean by that? What kind of prayer do you say in the context of somebody being president? I assume that a prayer for the president would be like, please help this person to guide the country through whatever, you know, through whatever problems the country may face, help them guide the country through it. 
right? Why wouldn't you want to pray for something like that? I mean, I don't believe that prayer works anyways, but you should want that to happen, right? Why would you not pray for that? He seems to think that praying for that is wrong because Donald Trump is the true president. Now you pray for his soul, but why should we pray for him in the context of being president? Why should he also be given the right? This is what outrages, what, what infuriates me. Why should he be given the right to appoint a Supreme Court justice who, who judges over the affairs of man if he's not legitimate? Wow, dude, talk about not being entitled to a Supreme Court pick. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I don't know how long you've been involved in politics, but let me just give you a brief summary of what happened over the past few years with the Supreme Court justices. I forget the Supreme Court justice's name, but he was a Republican. Scalia. I think that was his name, Scalia. He died when in office. He was a Supreme Court justice at the end of Obama's term. I think Obama had like a year left or something crazy. It was like a really long time when Scalia died. Naturally, Obama was elected for those four years. He should have the right to pick the Supreme Court justice, right? Well, Mitch McConnell, majority leader of the Senate, I think at the time, decided just not to hold a hearing. The Constitution says that the president picks the Supreme Court justice with the advice and consent of the Senate. So the Senate basically has to vote to approve your Supreme Court justice pick. Well, Obama put somebody who was fairly moderate up for nomination. He was trying to get somebody through. He put somebody up who was not too far left because he wanted the Republicans to just hold the hearing. They wouldn't even hold the hearing. And like I said, that person wasn't particularly far left. That was Merrick Garland, now the Department of Justice, the head of the Department of Justice, Attorney General, I think. I'm not sure exactly what his role is. Anyways, that's who Obama recommended at the time was Merrick Garland. Uh, for a Supreme Court justice. Mitch McConnell wouldn't even hold a hearing to vote on whether or not he should become the next Supreme Court justice. He put it off for, I believe, 11 months until Trump took office, and then Trump picked that Supreme Court justice. That was low. That was wrong. Obama was chosen for those four years and should have been given the opportunity to pick a Supreme Court justice for that time period. So four years pass, and guess what happens? Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies right at the end of Trump's term. I think he had just a couple months left in office when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Did Mitch McConnell say, no, you know what? You're right. Totally. Four years ago, I said lame duck presidents in the last year of their presidency don't pick Supreme Court justices. That's what he said four years previously. Is that what he said now? Is that what he said uh, a year ago when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died? No. He said, ram that Supreme Court justice through as quickly as you can. So Donald Trump has bare minimum at least one invalid choice for Supreme Court justice. He shouldn't have had at least one of the Supreme Court justices that he picked. This just really gets to me. Now Hank Kuhneman is complaining about Biden picking any Supreme Court justices at all, but that's because he seems to believe that Biden isn't supposed to be president in the first place. Here we are back at election lies once again. One who has no authority as president to be acting in such ways of authority to put our troops at risk. 
I'm sorry, to put our troops at risk. What? Biden pulled us out of wars. Biden pulled us out of Afghanistan. He has ramped down the drone war. What is he talking about? Put our troops at risk. He's not. Or to appoint a Supreme Court justice at the expense of being able to legislate and declare verdicts over the people when no power should have ever been given to a point. This is unjust! Oh, uh, that was kind of weird. Um, I'm, I'm really not even sure what all those words were at the very end. That was very, very strange. Well, the point is that this guy's been going on about this for 14, 15 months now, and it, there's no sign of stopping. He's just going to continue right on past the midterms, right on past the next general election. He's just going to keep screaming that Donald Trump should have won the election, and that's all there is to it. When is the IRS going to step in? When? When's the IRS going to say, you are not supposed to endorse, explicitly endorse, any political candidates? They have given them so much leeway. You're allowed to do so much as a, you know, a religious leader. You're allowed to say just about anything, but explicitly endorsing political candidates. They, they want it all. They don't want a little bit. They want everything. They will not stop until this is a fully Christian nation, until we, are, we live in a Christian nationalist state, effectively. We are just about there already. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Republican Civil War taking place right now. Mike Pence has upset a lot of high-profile people. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about the Republican Civil War that's raging right now. Mike Pence, of all people, came out recently and had some interesting things to say about the election. So I wanted to give this article a read to kind of get us into this story, and then we're going to talk about some of the more high-profile televangelists that are massive Trump fans weighing in on Mike Pence and how they feel about him. This article is on NPR.org. It's written by Claudia Grisales, I believe. The title is Pence Steps Out of Trump's Shadow, Raising New Questions About His Political Future. So let's give this a read and see what it says. It was written on February 12th, by the way, 2022. It was a series of words some never expected former Vice President Mike Pence to utter. President Trump is wrong. Pence was responding to Trump's claims that Pence had power to overturn the 2020 presidential election results during last year's joint session of Congress. Pence's comments raised new questions about his political future and whether he's charting a new course in the Republican Party out from under Trump's shadow. I'm very interested to see where it goes from here, said Brendan Buck, a former top congressional GOP aide. 
because it's not clear, at least in the next three to four years, that there's much room for somebody to be outside of Donald Trump's good side. Historically, vice presidents see themselves as the heir apparent to the Oval Office. But for Pence, that plan appeared to be cut short in the wake of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol when rioters called for his hanging. Pence had declined to accede to Trump's demands to reject Joe Biden's win during the day's joint session of Congress. He has since drawn Trump's growing ire in response to Trump's claims he could have overturned the election results. Pence spoke out in his strongest remarks yet. Here's the quote. I had no right to overturn the election, Pence told the Conservative Federalist Society earlier this month. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there's no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Now, let me give you a little bit of context for this. There is a Republican civil war absolutely raging at this immediate moment. Absolutely raging. There are people out there who are completely aligned with Trump 100% and continue to repeat the, the same election lies that, that we heard back, you know, a year and a half ago when the election actually took place. For example, Hank Kuhneman, I just talked about him earlier. He's been saying the same election lies this entire time. He keeps repeating them. Every time he steps up there at his lectern, he says the same thing over and over again. Just the same election lies. Trump is supposed to be president right now. Biden is illegitimate, blah, blah, blah. For Pence to come out and contradict that directly is a big deal. And it has created a pretty big rift in the Republican Party, I guess you could say. Kevin McCarthy is the House Minority Leader right now in Congress. He kind of, he's one of the main representatives for the Republican Party, basically. Early February 2022, a reporter asked him the question, was the January 6th, were the events on January 6th, was it an insurrection? Was it a riot or what? He seemed to be so afraid to answer that question that he literally ran away. He ran. The dude ran. He was like sprinting practically, at least power walking. We can say he was at least power walking. And people were like nearly jogging to keep up with the guy. He was running away from the question. Well, after that happened with Kevin McCarthy, dude refused to take a stand on whether or not January 6th, where they were holed in in the Capitol and people were literally looking for them with gallows erected out back. No joke, gallows. They were looking for them. They were hiding in the chambers of Congress. And this guy was running from the question, was this uh, an insurrection? He was running from it. Well, Mitch McConnell, after he ran from that question, Mitch McConnell comes out early February 2022. By the way, if you're unfamiliar, Mitch McConnell is the Senate minority leader. So Kevin McCarthy is on the House side. Mitch McConnell is on the Senate side. Um, they're both leaders of the party. Mitch McConnell largely represents the Republican Party. Donald Trump still heavily controls the party, obviously. But Mitch McConnell, you could say, is the highest representative in government of the Republican Party right now. So whatever Mitch McConnell says in response to the question, you know, was January 6th an insurrection or what, it's going to hold a little bit of weight. Let's listen to what he said about it. Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here. We're here. We, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection. 
for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election from one administration to the next. That's correct. Look at the people's faces in the background here. I believe these are Mitch McConnell's staff members, I, I think. Uh, don't know that for sure, but they look like legitimately scared, right? I mean, this woman, at the very least, looks like she's scared. Her, her eyes are darting around. She's got a furrowed brow, you know, while he's talking about what happened on January 6th. I have to imagine it was a scary situation for these people, really. Congress was the target of this attack. It had to have been a scary situation. And why anybody would experience something like that and lie and tell him it wasn't like a violent insurrection. Like, you were there, bro. Why are you, like, making stuff up about this? You were hiding in the corner with your head between your knees. Why are you lying about it? I don't get it. I, I'm doing my best to help you and save your life to prevent this from happening again. And you are sitting over there lying about it, saying it wasn't an insurrection and saying it wasn't a big deal and stuff. What is Kevin McCarthy thinking? When, when did it become controversial to call January 6th a full-blown, riotous insurrection? When did that become controversial? Mitch McConnell is calling it out as what it was, a violent insurrection. That's what he's doing. He's calling it out, and that's the right thing to do. But here's the problem. He's going to face the wrath of Trump for doing so. Let's keep listening. One administration to the next. That's what it was. With regard to the suggestion that the RNC should be in the business of picking and choosing Republicans who ought to be supported, uh, traditionally the view of the National Party committees is that we support all members of our party, regardless of their positions on some issues. Do you have confidence in her, Ronald McDaniel, as chairman of the committee? Uh, I, I do, but the, the issue is whether or not the RNC should be sort of singling out members of our party who may have different views from the majority. That's not the job of the RNC. Okay, so Mitch McConnell basically comes out on record and says Donald Trump is wrong, Kevin McCarthy is wrong, the RNC is wrong for claiming that what happened on January 6th was legitimate political discourse. It was a riotous insurrection. That's what Mitch McConnell just came out and said. Well, after that, Kevin McCarthy was cornered once again, early February 2022, and he says this. This is after Mitch McConnell had his stuff to say about it. Listen. Legitimate political discourse to refer to January 6th. We see resolution. Well, at least he's not running this time and not bolting. Uh, he's walking at a normal speed, I guess, maybe a little bit fast, and people are asking the, basically the same question. Is what happened on January 6th legitimate political discourse or not? The RNC resolution last week referred to the events of January 6th as a legitimate political discourse. I'm wondering what you thought about that's not, that's not correct, but uh, the RNC was talking about, they were talking about, everybody knows anybody who broken and caused damage <coughs> that was not called for those people why is he coughing in this guy's face really during a pandemic i mean this guy's wearing a mask kevin mccarthy is not i'm assuming it's kind of an intimidation thing where kevin mccarthy is trying to get him to go away by coughing in his face i don't know why he's doing that 
I, it, just speculation on my part. It's just really weird. <laughs> that was not called for. Those people we've said from the very beginning should be in jail. And then he, he coughs into his hand, and then he puts his hand on the guy. What is going on here? How can it cause damage? <laughs> that was not called for. Those people we've said from the very beginning. Bam, just touch the guy's shoulder with the hand that came away from his nose during a global pandemic. Why? Should be in jail. What they were talking about is the six RNC members who January 6th has subpoenaed, who weren't even here, who were in Florida that day. So you're supporting that resolution? Needless to say, there's a massive civil war raging within the Republican Party right now. Are you going to side with Trump? against your own interests if you're a congressman? Or are you going to call it what it is and admit what happened and deal with Trump's wrath, basically? That's the question. Mike Pence and Mitch McConnell chose to call it out. Biden won the election, plain and simple. Uh, you know, all these election lies that are spreading are just that, they're lies. Well, Shane Vaughn, our old buddy, is a little bit upset about the fact that Mike Pence came out and called Trump out for basically lying and for inspiring this whole event. Here's the thing about Shane Vaughn. When Donald Trump started coming out and supporting vaccines, telling people to get vaccinated, encouraging vaccination, a lot of Donald Trump's support fell away. Greg Locke, for example, jumped ship on Donald Trump when he started supporting vaccines. He jumped ship. He stopped supporting him. He said he's sick of Trump worship in this house basically what he was saying is sick of it in this church stop sitting on your butt and waiting for donald trump to do something in this nation but i'm sick of trump worship in this church i'm telling you right now on the authority of the bible if donald trump does not get out in front of this vaccine nonsense he is going to lose his voter base in the next coming election i'm telling you it's going to happen absolutely blew my mind when i heard that a lot of Trump support fell away, but guess what didn't fall away? Shane Vaughn never left Trump's side. He continued to support him through everything. He continued to support Trump even though people were absolutely sick of him, absolutely hated him over his support for vaccines. So I wanted to listen to this clip mid-February 2022. This is Shane Vaughn's take on Mike Pence now that he's come out and said Donald Trump was wrong. I couldn't have changed the results for the election or whatever else on January 6th. Listen to Shane Vaughn's reaction. Mike Pence is worse than Judas Iscariot. I just want to point out, it's really weird to continue to compare Donald Trump to Bible characters, specifically to Jesus. This happens over and over. This is a habit that Shane Vaughn has gotten in over the past year, and he keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. I mean, how many clips do I have? I don't know. Shane Vaughn does this constantly, compares Trump to Jesus constantly. It's just weird. And by the way, it is one of the reasons why I believe that Donald Trump's cult is also a religious cult. There are all the religious leaders that follow him seem to have assigned Messiah status to him, like Jesus level status, seriously. And they continue to compare him to Jesus. Until he made his stupid speech this week, I was holding a place in my heart that perhaps Mike Pence buckled under the pressure and he regretted it, felt bad about it, 
and he just wanted to go hide his face. That's what Judas Iscariot did. Uh, just as a quick refresher, Mike Pence said, quote, I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there's no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. That, that's what Mike Pence said. That's what Shane Vaughn is freaking out about right now. Let's keep listening. Iscariot did. When Judas betrayed our Lord, Judas disappeared. Once again, comparing him to Jesus. When Judas betrayed our Lord, Judas disappeared. When Mike Pence betrayed our Lord, he comes out and continues to deny that this is true and that the, he keeps saying that Trump is wrong. It's just weird. I'm just saying it's weird how they keep using parallels to Jesus. Why couldn't you have picked somebody else who was betrayed? Why did you have to pick Jesus, really? There have been other people that have been betrayed throughout history, right? You couldn't have picked one other person other than Jesus. Why compare Trump to Jesus constantly? As a matter of fact, Judas was so sorry for what he did that he gave the money back. In other words, he undid the damage, if you will. He gave the money back, and then he went and killed himself. That depends on which Bible book you're reading. I think that um, the way that Judas's story unfolds, is it plays out differently based on which gospel book, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, that you're reading it from. Uh, I'm not sure which book that specific storyline is from, but they are different. That's how bad he felt for what he did. But Mike Pence, you're not as good as Judas Iscariot because you won't go somewhere and shut your mouth. You will not go and disappear. You No, no, see, now you're forcing us to call you out. You disappointed us, and we were willing to let you go hide your face. I don't know, dude. They erected gallows out front of the Capitol. I don't think they were ready to let him go do anything. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that they have increased security around Mike Pence. No doubt whatsoever. I guess they haven't been targeting him specifically like they have been Gretchen Whitmer. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, just look up the story I talked about where people were arrested for this kidnapping plot against her. So they're not targeting Mike Pence like that, not to that degree as far as I know. But he is he doesn't seem safe to me, honestly. If I were Mike Pence, I would absolutely have security everywhere. But you want to still be a voice when you, sir, are the lowest of the low. And here's why you're low. Not because you buckle. Not because you made a mistake. But because you are a liar, and I'm about to prove it to the whole world, that you, sir, you wear the church clothes, and you've got the church look, but, sir, you are a wolf in sheep's clothing. You have identified yourself this week as a coward, and a gaslighter. That's what you are. This guy's obsession with Trump goes above and beyond normal political leader worship or run-of-the-mill political leader worship. I genuinely believe, to the bottom of my heart, Shane Vaughn loves Donald Trump like he's the Messiah. This isn't the first time that we've seen this level of obsession either. We've seen this from Johnny Enlow, dude says, we're going to switch from using 
BC and AD, or as Christians call it, before Christ and after death. And we're going to start using before Trump and after Trump. I was asking the Lord about it. He hadn't told me. I was like, Lord, you still haven't showed me. And then on March, right when I'm saying that, I have this, oh, it's not an open vision, but it was a vision. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that. And he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages and be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. And so your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. And he said the nations will be known as before Trump, after Trump. If that isn't a a clear indication that he views Trump as the new Jesus, I don't know what else is. How many comparisons to Jesus does Shane Vaughn have to make before we accept that the dude views Trump as the new Jesus. No joke. These people believe that prophets are all over the place. They believe themselves to be prophets. Anybody can be a prophet of God. It's kind of part of their shtick. It's part of their belief system. This evangelical, Pentecostal, Protestant kind of belief system allows for basically anybody to be a prophet of God, pretty much anybody, for them to receive divine revelation from God. But not just anybody can be the Messiah. And I genuinely believe they view Trump as the Messiah, the new Messiah. A few of them. Shane Vaughn and Johnny Enlow, at the very least. I believe those two really do view him as the new Messiah. So the evangelical wing of the Republican Party, the ones who view Trump as the Messiah, are at war with the last remaining Republicans who are still in their heads, basically, who are still on planet Earth with the rest of us. The last Republicans who see Trump for what he is and realize he's trying to cause this massive schism, they are at war with the evangelical voter base. And I have to say, this is nothing but good for us. Let this war rage on. Let it, let it happen. It will only benefit anybody to the left. It will only benefit us for this war to unfold the way it seems to be right now. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.